Welcome to Daily Drive. For Tuesday, April 11th, 2023, I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Callan Walker. Today on the show, CarMax net income and sales take a dive in Q1. BMW sees EV sales double in the first three months of the year. And Hyundai makes an $18 billion commitment to increase its EV production. Plus, a look at the near death and resurgence of MG as the iconic brand turns 100. They have the second best selling EV in the UK and EVs do well in the UK. Basically, they're, they're smashing it out of the park. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Used vehicle retail giant CarMax is reporting a steep downturn in net income and fewer retail used vehicle sales in its fiscal fourth quarter. CarMax reported net income of $69 million in the three months that ended February 28th. That's down 57% year-over-year. The company's net revenue in the quarter was $5.7 billion, down 26% from the same period a year earlier. But per-vehicle profit was stable in the quarter, which is a bit of good news for a period hampered by prolonged economic headwinds. Its retail gross profit per used vehicle rose 3.7% to almost $2,300. CarMax blames prolonged affordability challenges for the drop in net income and sales. It points to inflationary pressures, higher interest rates, tight lending standards, and a continued drop-off in consumer confidence. BMW remains on track for slightly higher sales worldwide this year. That's despite a dip in demand in the first quarter. The company said it delivered 588,000 BMW, Mini, and Rolls-Royce vehicles in the first quarter. That's down 1.5% on the previous year. But here's a big number. Full electric vehicle sales rose 83% year-on-year to nearly 65,000 vehicles. BMW believes EVs will be one of the main growth drivers in 2023. The brand and its competitors are pushing to switch toward electric models to remain competitive and meet climate targets ahead of the 2035 phase-out of CO2-emitting cars in the European Union. That race to pump out more electric models is also apparent at Hyundai Motor Group. The automaker is committing to spend around $18 billion by 2030 as it seeks to increase EV production. The group set itself a goal of becoming one of the world's top three EV makers. It plans to boost its annual output of electric cars in Korea to more than a million and a half vehicles by the end of this decade. That would be about 40% of estimated global EV production of more than 3.6 million. Hyundai says that by 2030, it expects to have 31 EV models across its suite of brands. It added that Kia will build a new plant south of Seoul to manufacture so-called purpose-built vehicles that are electric-powered. And Ford says its revamped Oakville assembly plant in Canada will start churning out EVs in the second quarter of next year. The automaker announced the $1.3 billion retooling in the fall of 2020. It said today that the project will take about six months to complete. During that time, Some of the 3,000 workers at the Ontario site will be furloughed, although the company expects to retain virtually all of the employees when the plant comes back online at the end of 2024. The site currently builds the gasoline-powered Edge and the Lincoln Nautilus crossovers. Officials said the transformation will involve consolidating the site's three body shops into one. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, 
After seeing CarMax sales take a dive, is the used car market on life support at this point? It is a tough business right now. You know, it costs so much to acquire cars, but at the same time, consumers are limited by the higher interest rates and generally higher prices overall. Uh, so it's a tough business, but, you know, I got to give a little bit of a tip of the hat to CarMax for staying profitable. You know, so many of the other used vehicle specialists have gone into the red, some of them deep into the red. So, you know, staying profitable in the hard times, you know, that's the key to being a sustainable, successful business. Right. Coming up, remember MG? Well, it's not gone. It's actually thriving overseas and it's turning 100. We'll hear more about it next on Daily Drive. Hi, I'm Pete Bigelow, host of Shift, a podcast about mobility from Automotive News. Each week, I bring you a conversation with leaders who are on the cutting edge of transportation, like this one with consultant and strategist Salika Josiah Talbot. The technologists are forcing themselves in a space that they shouldn't be. And I think the social scientists and politicians are falling down on the job. To hear more about the new technology and policy reshaping the way people and goods move around, join me on Shift. New episodes each Sunday on autonews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. If I remember correctly, there are some new rules and now it's okay to sing happy birthday. What? Uh, Jake, the producer, is shaking his head vigorously and breaking out in a sweat. So, okay, I, I won't do that. But there is a big birthday to celebrate this year. Iconic British brand MG is turning 100 years old. And the company it is today has little in common with the British roadsters many of us remember from half a century ago. It's now a Chinese-owned automaker, sometimes sharing technology with General Motors, offering a range of value-minded crossovers, hatchbacks, even a mid-sized pickup, and it's growing quickly across Europe, Australia, Mexico, and other markets. To explain the storied brand's past, its present, and its potential future, I brought in our resident classic British car buff and engineering reporter Richard Truitt, and Nick Gibbs, who covers the auto industry out of London for Automotive News Europe. Nick Gibbs, welcome to Daily Drive. Thank you very much. And Richard Truitt, welcome back to Daily Drive. You're welcome, Jamie. It's great to be here. Richard, as we come upon this uh, 100th anniversary, this centennial of MG, what do we know about its origins? What? Why is this the centennial? It's um, important to think about MG in this particular way. It was the import brand that America loved first. Right after World War II, there were no import cars until MGs arrived. And until Volkswagen knocked it off in the 1950s, it was the top-selling import brand of cars here. There weren't large numbers, but it was number one for a while. And MGs sold very well through the, the 70s, 60s, 70s, and early 80s. And it's one of those brands that for for a few years was... Everybody had a great memory of an MG, of going to high school prom in it or driving away from their wedding in it. You know, it was just a fun, affordable sports car. Where does the MGB stand among the, you know, cute roadsters of the 20th century? It is an all-time classic. Think if, if, if a Harley-Davidson Sportster is the classic cruiser motorcycle, then the MGB would be the classic sports car. They sold half a million of them in its 18-year production run, and if you want to know what its legacy is, just look out in any parking lot at a Mazda Miata. That's the spiritual successor to the MGB. Nick Gibbs, you see the modern MG up close in, in real life. How's the brand doing? 
they're doing incredibly well, which is impressive given that they had a big lag between the owned MG and the new MG, obviously owned by Syke in China. In March, for example, they had the second best-selling EV in the UK, and EVs do well in the UK. And the first was the Tesla Model Y, second was the MG, and the MG was outselling its uh, closest rival, the ID3, by about two. You know, that is an incredible achievement. They were the second best-selling EV brand, and actually the 10th best-selling brand of all in March. So March is a big selling month for the UK. It's the when the uh, the number of plate changes, everyone will have their newest plate. And so, you know, it's double January and February combined. Basically, they're, they're smashing it out of the park. In the UK in particular, how is MG regarded as a brand relative to, say, Volkswagen or Hyundai? It's relatively new and people don't really know the cars yet. So it's difficult to say how it's being perceived. Uh, MG, towards the end of its life, you know, the beginning of, uh, the beginning of the century, you know, as a, as a British brand, it was always a sort of badge engineered, you know, there were Renvers that dressed up to look a bit more sporty and given an MG badge. It was, it was a bit of a sad ending, to be honest. So I, there's not a lot of residual knowledge of what MG was, bar, of course, the MGB, this, but the sports car, which uh, in, you know, most people could probably recognize. So it kind of reinvented themselves. It's, it has a sort of sporty sheen to it. They're just cars and their value that's the thing they're good value and the brits like a good value car and i think that's what's driving them at the moment it really isn't about the legacy or the the name it isn't so much about the badge it's the vehicle and the value that it offers as a vehicle in the market today i would say it's nothing like it's, it's, it's the badge definitely helps i mean you know people's like oh yeah and you know they see that octagon and think you know that sort of rings a bell from the dim distant but yeah i, do, I don't think it's the it's the thing, it's not the thing that's you know that, that's driving into them into the showrooms. It's basically that it got a good price. I mean, if it was you know an, an anonymous and a Chinese brand, and nobody would heard of, it, it definitely wouldn't be doing as well. But it, it, you know, so it, it helps. There's no doubt. Are they all EVs and plug-in hybrids? No, they do. The MG4 is one of their best sellers, which is this new quite good value EV. You know, just a hatchback. And, and nasty style as well. They, they've always done well on design. But uh, they've, they've got a range of cars, and, and they're you know sensible ones. They're uh, big in the SUVs. That you know, so they've got a small SUV. They've got a medium size SUV, uh, and they're some of the big sellers. I mean, you could buy a petrol engine version of them as a plug-in hybrid. But uh, so at the value end, it's about uh, gasoline cars, and, and then they've got this EV angle, which they're really pushing and really you know, sort of reinventing themselves as sort of the budget EB brand, which there aren't many of them. Let's be, let's be honest. And most of them come out of China as well, right? Like BYD? Yeah, they all come out of China. And they've got huge capacity over there. And uh, due to their relationships they have with uh, GM and uh, with uh, Volkswagen as well in China, they have a little know-how. They've got, a bit, you know, they, they, they've got financial muscles, state-owned, so they've got uh, that state help as well, which opens all sorts of doors in China, and they've got the battery connections too. So, yeah, it's the, probably the best place to be if you're trying to sell cheaper AEVs into the market. Richard, you reported they've also made some gains in Mexico, among other markets, uh, right here on America's doorstep. They sure have. Um, you have to give SAIC credit for really being smart about leveraging the MG brand legacy. I had a, a friend of mine go into a showroom in Mexico and take some pictures for me. All over the walls, there's class, photos of classic MGs and <laughs> Morris garages and nothing that you won't see anything about China anywhere in there. 
And so, yeah, the uh, MG brand is among the top 10 selling brands in 20 different countries. In Mexico, they outsell Ford and Hyundai, if you can believe that. And Nick made a really great point that we should always keep in mind here. What is the biggest weakness of American consumers? They love a bargain. <laughs> so even if there is some tension between the U.S. and China, if they were to ever come back here and be considerably less than other competitors, they might get some traction in the U.S. Affordability has become such a problem in the market, yeah. as uh, especially with the chip scarcity. Everybody's focused on the high end, and you know prices have just set you know, record after record. Uh, so there is an opening on the bottom end. We actually did a survey, a poll on uh, LinkedIn about whether it should come back here, whether SAIC sh should try to bring MG to the U.S. again. Yes. 831 votes, which I think shows considerable interest in the topic. <laughs> and the results were 44% said, yes, MG should come back to the U.S. And 48% said no. So majority, no, but that's a pretty strong indicator of interest, right? I always think of uh, our old friend, Bob Lutz, used to always say, you know, there's nothing wrong with being polarizing. You really don't need to sell to 80% of the market. You just need 20% or 10% to believe in you strongly. I think that's probably true in this case. And if you're a dealer and you see another potential Hyundai on the horizon, are you going to be interested in that? I think so. Absolutely. And again, with a name like MG instead of maybe BYD, uh, you have at least a little bit of sheen of uh, the European past. Yeah. There's one thing, though, that I think it all hinges on. From I've done a little digging in MG's reliability and, and customer comments about it. Their service and parts need a lot of work. They don't deliver parts usually on time and sometimes not even in good condition. When you think about the geographical giganticness or bigness of our country, it, it's a big logistical task to set up a nationwide parts and service operation for any brand. And so I think that um, before SAIC can be successful here, they really need to understand how to provide parts and service. Well, and he says sort of middling quality and middling quality for a value price, you know, is still can still be a good transaction for a lot of consumers and can be a winning proposition. But I think, you know, like you said, you said the magic word, which is Hyundai. And that took decades, but the transformation from simply a value brand into a high quality, highly efficient, uh, with a strong network throughout the entire country. I mean, that's, that is the role model. It's could they achieve the same execution, which is not easy. No, not at all. All right, Richard Truitt, Nick Gibbs, thank you so much for joining me and celebrating MG's 100th birthday here on Daily Drive. Thanks, boss. Thank you. You can read much more about MG's 100th birthday and what the brand is up to now in this week's edition of Automotive News or at autonews.com. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own CJ Moore and Michael Martinez for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on electrification, quarterly sales and earnings results, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for my conversation with Hyundai's Ola BC Boyle. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.